0: Thank you for the invitation to be here today. I look forward to coming and visiting with you. And uh, every time I come, I meet some some more faces and uh, get to talk to you a little bit. I always enjoy that. So thank you so much. Um, I was asked about Louie and Susan Martinez. If you were here when Louie was helping out in an interim pastor role, Uh, Louie and Susan are living in the Indianapolis area and uh, doing well. Uh, Only my response to the the question was, is their life is a little chaotic. And uh, that is, they're helping their uh, daughter and grandchildren, and they ended up living at their house for a while, and they downsized the size of their house. And so it was a crowded home, and Louis says, it's just crazy here right now. So that was back in May and June when I had connected with him. Uh, He will be here towards the end of August for the Latino camp. Uh, And we're looking forward to that. I would ask that you would pray uh, that God would work in a very uh, significant way through the Latino camp, and I'm looking forward to seeing Louie then. Uh, I was debating whether to say this, but I I will say it. uh, They miss the Central District. We're we're a pretty awesome district, uh, if I can brag just a bit. But God's using them there, and uh, we always enjoy the opportunity to visit with them. Let me give you just a little bit of insight. I am with the Central District team, uh, work with our superintendent, Cal Swan, with Larry Austin, uh, Al Frank, and uh, myself. We are on the journey of looking for a replacement for Louie. You can't replace Louie as far as uh, personality, but hopefully someone who can continue to help us with our multi-ethnic ministry. And I've been serving with the district uh, for 20 years in the area of church planting, uh, still considered uh, as a uh, church planting missionary and let me uh, let me highlight just a couple of areas. Uh, one of the joys i 've had is is working with the uh, ethnic groups with uh, with louis leaving i 'm not quite as wise uh, in some of the some of the nuances of ethnic ministry, but as far as loving to interact with with people who come from different uh, backgrounds and different uh, Cultures—it's—it's it's quite fascinating to interact with them and and learn from them, and then to find ways to help and encourage them. The—the uh, the two items that I wanted to mention specifically—we've uh, been working with Neighborhood Bible Church in Hampton for I think uh, at least five years. I'd have to go back and check my calendar to to remember exactly. But uh, Joel Anderson has been serving as their pastor. And uh, Joel's a young, he'd just come out of seminary, wanted to uh, pay off his seminary debt, but be involved in ministry. And so Joel's been serving up there, but at the end of September he's going to move on. Uh, It's a little bit of a a heavy load to live in Ankeny and work in Urbandale and do ministry in Hampton. He said, I end up with no days off. Uh, So I, I totally understand that, but I mention it to you since they're sort of a neighbor of yours, a neighbor to the north, that uh, we've, we've been doing everything we can to encourage them, and there's been good progress. But once again, we'll face this question of what kind of uh, pastoral leadership can, uh, can we find to help them out. And uh, so I ask that you will pray with us about that. The other item that I'll mention to you is uh, it's not quite a neighbor. But one of the areas of Iowa that uh, is is, uh, fascination, not just because of curiosity, but because we feel like there's much more we can do as an evangelical free church, is to uh, work on the the I-380 corridor from uh, Iowa City up to Waterloo. And I've been talking with a, a gentleman for actually several months since the beginning of the year, and uh, Lord willing, he and his wife are going to say we need to plant a church in the Waterloo Cedar Falls uh, Cedar Valley area. So we're we're just in the middle of that right now. They may come back to me and say no, it's not the right uh, situation for us. But we're we're looking forward uh, to them hopefully saying yes. And if you would pray with us, we have one evangelical free church in Cedar Falls. And uh, my thought is, is the uh, Cedar Valley area is is uh, large enough that there's more we can do as far as uh, evangelical free church ministry there. So those are a couple of areas. We have lots of other uh, exciting ministries going on, lots of uh, church planners that are doing an excellent job, and hopefully some some plans in the works because we don't want to get bored and just sit around and and do the same old thing. We're always looking for new opportunities and uh, new challenges. So Lord willing, that will happen and I'd love to uh, answer more questions for you, but I thought that would be uh, a good uh, l- little bit of an update for you this morning. We're excited to be uh, in partnership with you as Evangelical Free Churches and to encourage, uh, support you in your ministry. Uh, we are enjoying uh, Jeremy and his uh, ministry. I, I am confident that you are also. For the... Uh, for the Scripture this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to look at a uh, rather lengthy passage this morning. Uh, so I will confess to you that my goal is not to get real deep into the weeds or into the details of the passage, but do a little bit more of an overview and to make some comments on what I see in this area of, of Christ like character. So, in a moment, I'm going to read the scripture text, and I want to invite you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 17, and we want to consider this together this morning. Before we come to the book of Colossians, uh, I want to remind you of a story that Luke records for us in Luke chapter 19, and uh, if you're in the age range that I am, um, I had a I had a nice friend this week. They asked me if I'd turned 50 yet, and I said thank you very much. And unfortunately, I turned 50 quite a while ago. So so uh, and he knew that, but he was he was uh, trying to make me feel good. So I appreciate that. But when I was a when I was a little boy, you know, we didn't have cool Veggie Tales kind of things for Sunday school and learning, but we did have some you know good little good songs to to learn about the the stories of the Bible. And uh, so, uh, Mark, you you said to be ready for a special music. You might kick me out uh, after I do this. But if you're in my age range, you might remember in Sunday school learning, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord was passing by, he saw him in the tree. And the Lord said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Now, my thought is, (laughs) my thought is, is Zacchaeus was not the most popular man, and he was not the trendsetter of his day. Now, he was wealthy, he was a smart man, but he was not necessarily liked by a lot of people because he was a tax collector. So, when I think about fashion and the trends of the day, Zacchaeus would not be the the example, the epitome that we would put up there. And yet, for this man who decided that he needed to Look at Jesus, and Jesus looked at him. When Jesus came to his house, there was a miraculous and a complete change in Zacchaeus. Luke records for us that Zacchaeus said to our Lord Jesus, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The goal of Jesus Christ is to take us out of the pit of death and to give us life. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And as he does this transforming work, he fashions us and he invites us to pursue being like Jesus. And so as we look at Colossians passage this morning, I want us to see what it is for us to determine, to put aside that which is old and Ugly and destructive, and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in Colossians chapter 3, I am using the English Standard Version, and uh, I would like to read the Word of God. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I looked up fashion, and it's simply the changing styles of apparel and the current trends and and the opinions of what people think looks good. I decided I would check some of the uh, things on the, on the internet, and as you know, you can find lots of things that are not so good, but I assumed GQ magazine would be all right. And so I, I went to the GQ website, and the first thing I saw wasn't so good, but eventually I found some uh, ideas of men's fashions. And I noticed that it said this. One of the article titles was Savvy Advice on How to Put It All Together. And that's what I want us to consider today. Current opinion may lead us to think, in fact, the world believes that the church has gone out of fashion. But I want to suggest to us as we pursue Christ, and Christ pursues us, we can indeed be fashionable, and we can be people of character. And I believe that there is savvy advice from the pen of the Apostle Paul and the direction of the Spirit of God on how to put it all together. Now, I do have a concern as, as I come to this text, and my concern is, is that we're going to discuss morality, and for some people, that will turn them off. They're tired of hearing about morals and people's morality, and then seeing people not live it out. And so it's a, it's, it's a reason to turn off the switch. The other concern I have is it seems like much of our study of Scripture and our proclamation ends up being just a challenge to people. Here is the morality that the Bible calls us to. Now go out and try hard to be that way. And the last thing that I want to do today is to leave you with the impression that I am calling or asking of you to go out and try harder. Perhaps the best thing we can do is try less hard and to recognize that it is a partnership where we say to the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, change me empower me, enable me to reflect the beauty and the majesty of the character of Christ. And as we come to this passage of Scripture, anytime you jump into the middle of, in this case, the letter to the Colossian people, it has a context that is very important. And I want to remind you of the context by reading the first four verses. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory." There is this mysterious and yet beautiful work of God that happens to the person who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are declared righteous and accepted by Jesus Christ into the family of God. And the Spirit of God puts them, puts us on a journey of starting to take us from our old selves and may I say it not to be offensive, but our old ugly selves into something that is beautiful as it becomes more and more like Jesus Christ. With the promise that someday when Christ returns to establish his eternal kingdom, we will see, as John the Apostle says, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. We will see him face to face. And so our goal is not perfection, but our goal is to aim towards the perfect character of Jesus Christ. Now, the way I see that in our culture, this is, this is my opinion, but I was thinking about this, and I'd like to run it past you to see what you think. Uh, the golden rule is from the lips of Jesus. And I'm guessing that everyone here this morning, or at least uh, almost everyone, would say, I believe it's important to live by the golden rule. In fact, I would say if you went to downtown Iowa Falls, probably not, I don't know, is downtown Iowa Falls very busy on a Sunday afternoon? I I don't know. I don't know if there's restaurants and, you know, other activity. Maybe, Maybe it'd be more like Monday. If you went on a Monday afternoon and you started asking people, do you believe it's important to live by the golden rule? I'm guessing an overwhelming majority would say yes. Especially in the state of Iowa. We're, we're a state of, of good people who have, who have good uh, aspirations towards that which is, is good. And we've generally been taught well. Now, let me remind you the golden rule is basically that we should do to others as we would desire them to do to us. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that, is, that is a simple way to live our lives, that we should figure out how we want to be treated and then treat other people that way. Now, it's not always easy to do, but that's the way we should do it. However, here's the way I see much of our culture because of this broken system that God tells us about because of sin. Here's how I see it happening. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an inverted corollary uh, that, that I see, and it's this way. Make sure that people treat you the way you want to be treated, but don't worry about how you treat others. So in other words, and I don't know if this is uh, polite language, is make sure you don't get screwed. But in the journey, if you screw other people, if if you do something to mess up their lives, well, that's just the way it goes. In other words, protect self at all costs. And it's okay for me to cheat, lie, steal, and to do all kinds of things to you because that will get me ahead in life. But don't do it to me because that would be miserable. In other words, what I'm saying is what we have done is we have taken a very significant uh, moral statement to treat others as we would have them treat us and we have set aside the value of that other's part, and we have said, I am all important. Whatever is good for me is good. It may be bad for you, and I don't care. Now, I don't want to sound too cynical this morning. As I said, there's lots of wonderful people in the state of Iowa, so it may not be that drastic, but you have to admit that when you sit back and observe everything that's going on, it comes close to feeling that way, doesn't it? Everybody's looking out for themselves, and they really don't care about you and how you feel. They don't care if they hurt you as long as they get their way. Well, this, my friends, is the old earthly ways. And the Scripture tells us that if we have been invited to follow Christ we must now set our sights on a new goal, the goal of Jesus Christ. And to do that, there is a negative and positive mindset. The first is the negative. We are to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in us. So number one, we are to leave the earthly ways behind as Christ followers. This is the directive of the text before us. Just say no. We are to put to death here. And here's what we are to put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, one of the commentaries I like to use, uh, the particular author of of Colossians' commentary is N.T. Wright. And he does, I want to give you this quickly. I told you I wasn't going to go into a whole lot of detail He says that the word translated here, sexual immorality, refers to any intercourse outside marriage. Impurity highlights the contamination of character affected by immoral behavior. The word rendered lust could refer to any overmastering passion, but regularly, as here, indicates uncontrolled sexual urges. Evil desires is the state which logically precedes lust. Behind this stage, in turn, there is greed, another general term. Here it refers to unchecked hunger for physical pleasure, which is the breeding ground for more specific evil desires. Paul boldly unmasks unmasks this covetousness. It is idolatry. So you and I are well aware of the list. And as people who are committed to uh, the Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church and are committed to being Christ followers, we would say, yes, that is a list that we, wanna, we don't want to participate in. We don't want to be found guilty of any of those uh, characteristics or activities. The challenge is, is the secret life. In public, and I don't know about you, but I've been uh, Carol and I have been watching... Uh, well, okay, so, so this is confession. Um, public television for me is this old house, and uh, Rick Steves' uh, Europe Travels, okay? But um, we, were, we were captivated by the uh, Downton Abbey series, Masterpiece Theater. And so we've, we've gotten all involved with that and, you know, watching all of, the, all of the seasons. We're waiting for the new season to come out in January. I'm not like some people I know who uh, pirate the, the series off of the Internet and already have seen it. I'm waiting for it to come to public television. Um, but in the meantime, so we're checking out Masterpiece Theater and we see these other, we see these other uh, programs that are on there. And it is, it is interesting... To see, one of them is uh, it's it's uh, uh, set in the the American Revolution, but it's from the British side of it, and and the man who was fighting for the the Redcoats, the British Army, and then he goes back home, and and it is interesting to see, and this is true in the 1700s, it was true in Jesus' day, it's true in our day is there are people who have all the outward appearances of being moral and circumspect and and living life the right way and being faithful to their spouse, but they have this secret life. For us, in the 2000s, it might be pornography. It might be romantic novels. It might be uh, some kind of sexual deviation that if it came to light, it would be totally destructive. And somehow, in fact, I cannot explain it, and I've been told you don't want to explain it. Somehow, there is an ability of the human mind and heart to divide and to pretend like this is my good life and my secret life nobody has to know about. But eventually, it comes crashing down. And my friends, again, I told you I didn't want to preach a moralistic sermon and make us feel uh, downcast and, and guilty. That's, that's not my goal. But I do want to encourage us that one of the best things that I see happening in the church today is when a group of men, whether it's two men, three men, six men, whatever, whatever works... But a group of men or a group of women, two women, three women, six women, get together and they give each other permission to talk about the, 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 the secret areas of their life where they, where they struggle. I think this is a great thing that we need to do. And we as the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we are willing not to, uh, not to judge and prejudge people based on what we think of their character but to allow them to come to know Christ as Savior and to join us in this journey of becoming like Christ. The second area that I find interesting is this. This is my observation. I don't know if uh, sociologists and others who watch culture would totally agree. But again, my generation, uh, baby boomer generation, would pretty much say, yes, this is, this is all this is stuff we don't want to do. I am fascinated by the millennials who, this is no big deal. It is no big deal for them to get involved in casual relationships that I would say, you kidding me. You do that and you think that's all right? Somehow, and I think... uh, Again, I'm not here to, to lay blame, but if, if we were to state the blame, I think that the baby boomer generation has given a terrible example of what it is to have a, a healthy marriage and a good home. And many of these people, they, they don't have it. They don't have any example to follow. And the ones that, that, that break my heart are the ones that have grown up in the church and when they, when they leave, when they leave home, They get involved in all kinds of unbelievable activities and think nothing about it. What they are against, I've gotten a little bit ahead of myself because I want to come back and make one more comment, but what the millennials are totally upset about is the second set that's given to us. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. They are they are, are, are uh, they're warriors for justice, social justice, for people doing the right thing. They don't want to see all this anger and wrath and this hypocrisy and some of the things that we're accused of. And, and so my, my comment to us today is where some of us think we have it all in order in the sexual sins the sensual sins, uh, the social sins we, we've got a problem in. We, we justify our rage and our anger and our malice, our, our wrong thoughts towards people. The younger generation, they've got it turned around. They seem to just really have, have abandoned the, the sexual mores, uh, what, what to many of us seems to be obviously healthy for us. And yet in the social areas, they've they've got their act together. And so we need to have some patience between the generations. And we need to have some ability for us to challenge one another. And to encourage one another. To make sure that both sets that we're working on to overcome. And that we do not find ways to justify our behavior. Um, It is because... The Lord Jesus wants us to say no. He wants us to put it aside. But the other thing that I want to say to you before I come back to this second set is this. For those who are caught in the sensual sins, it can be addictive. Uh, Just like drugs and, and other sins that we would have. And so our place is not to condemn and to criticize, but to understand and to challenge that we need to go to the core. What's the reason that we've gotten trapped in some of these behaviors and lifestyles? That is what Scripture says is idolatry that leads to greed, that leads to, leads to wrong behavior, that leads, leads to an abandonment of any parameters and I believe that we need to, we need to be honest before God and before one another and recognize that the, the lack of moral parameters in our culture is because of our idolatry and because of our greed we need to be honest about that so just say no, recognize it address it confess it say no just leave ugly someone stated that these sins the anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk are just ugly things it's not pretty to see someone in a rage and uh and it's it's not a good thing to do so again Endy Wright says anger is the continuous state of smoldering or seething hatred Rage is when this state breaks out in actual angry deeds or words. Malice, a word which in the Greek can simply mean evil, but here probably has the overtone of evil intended to cause hurt. Slander is speech which puts malice into practical effect. And filthy language, words which either by their foul association or their abusive intent contaminate both speaker and hearers. And again, I did uh, feel guilty this week because I, I felt like at least once and probably a few times I failed in this category. And I thought, how can you stand up and say, if, if you talk to my family, you'd say, yeah, our dad or my husband, that's, that's an area where they have to work on. And, and, and it has to be a commitment to asking the Spirit of God to overcome. So again, I'm not, I'm not expecting perfection. I'm saying we've got to own it and we've got to realize the ugliness of it. Uh, it is, again, in our culture, sometimes I don't think we're aware of the emotional destruction that takes place. So I need to move along because the clock is moving along. The next one is just stop lying. We are to put off the old self. Since we are no longer desiring to cheat, steal, and lie, we need to put off lying to one another. Again, I'm, I'm fascinated... Um, have to tell you about, about my son. He uh, he is uh, a senior in, in uh, high school this year, and last year he went through the what I thought was kind of cool. He went through the uh, the stage where he was hot, where uh, where he realized that uh, girls like him and girls were saying, "Oh, this guy, he's he's pretty awesome." And I'm saying, man, that's my son. He's smart. He's good looking. He's athletic. You know, it didn't come from me. And, uh, and so I'm looking at him. Well, anyway, he went through uh, deciding to date a girl and then deciding he didn't want to date the girl. And what, uh, what happened in the, in the blow-up occasion was she said, you lied to me. And my wife says, that is the worst thing you could say to my son. He does not want to ever lie or mislead someone. That, that just, that, that was a, a sword in his heart. And again, I don't know where he gets this from. I, he's my son, but he didn't get it from, although I don't like to lie or be lied to either. The point of it is is we, again, justify. We justify that maybe, maybe I, can, I can fudge on the truth a little bit. And it's this idea of intentionally misleading, and I like when, when little kids—again, we have this discussion in our family. Or occasions where it happens, where somebody just innocently did something, or said something. Well, you lied to me, and it has to deal with intent. And uh, granted, we can't always tell a person's intent, but I don't know about you—it's very hurtful, and uh, and that that wrath and. Anger and frustration comes out in me when I find out that someone intentionally tried to mislead me. And the scripture is simply telling us, we need to put that away. We just simply need to say no, and we need to say yes to being like Christ. We beheld the glory of Christ Jesus when he came to this earth, John the Apostle says. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't know about you, but I, I, I would love to have people say of me, that guy's an Abe Lincoln type. He's an honest man. He's full of grace and truth. So we need to say, uh, say no to lying. Just stop lying. We need to pursue this Christ likeness. We need to see Jesus. I find it interesting that, that the Holy Spirit puts this here, and yet it's, so, it's very significant. In verse 11, he says, There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And uh, I, I, I don't really want to get into the news of the day and politics, but it is fascinating how much of our discussion in our culture is about the, the various divisions of people. And I think, I think we have to be honest. We have to understand, well, you know, I came from X place. Um, I, was, I was born in Minnesota, those terrible Minnesotans that look down on us Iowans. So somehow I must be superior to you that were born in Iowa. You're looking at me saying, no way. So, so yes, do we come from different places? Do we have different experiences? Uh, do we have different racial and ethnic backgrounds? Absolutely. But that should not divide us. In Christ, we look for ways to be unified because Christ is all, and Christ is in all. I think going back to what I said in my introductory comments, I don't understand uh, some, of the, some of the perspectives of the ethnic groups that I get to interact with. I just, I just don't. I mean, I'm just being honest that I, I don't fully understand. But there's something so beautiful to sit and talk and listen to their perspectives and then to see their heart to pursue Christ. And one of my favorite things is the, is the worship experience. I come and I enjoy worshiping with you. We're so grateful for the the worship team, for the, them leading us in worship. I go to the African church, and while I think some of the youth would like to be more American, they have this beautiful African music. And I have no idea what they're saying because they sing it in their in their native tongue. But I know I can see it, and I can sense it that they are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. The same with the Hispanics and, and other groups that we connect with. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. So we need, to, we need to work on finding ways for us to become one as the body of Christ. So this is how we leave the earthly ways behind. That which is temporary, that which is destructive, that which is a picture of death. And then we need to love the heavenly ways. Now, the reason that I talk about fashion is simply put the language that's used here. When it says to put to death, it's saying take off the death clothes. Don't worry, I'm not going to do anything here. I was just uh, illustrating. I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you kicking me out here this morning. Um, and then we are to put on that which is the character of Christ. So we are to love the heavenly ways. One, we are to live like Jesus. So now we've gone from the negative uh, list to the positive list. Uh, I don't have time here, but I want you to notice the word of God says in verse 12, put on then, then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, as people loved by Christ, as people who are holy. Holiness is what I long for. As people who are chosen, we need to choose. We need to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. There needs to be compassion in our lives. There needs to be a care and a concern for people. Sometimes we're just flippant. Or we're just ignorant, and I guess maybe men are a little bit more guilty of this. Um, some of us guys, ladies, you have to be patient with us. We we just miss the signals, okay? You just have to. Uh, now I'm not I'm not making excuses. I'm just honestly asking you to be patient with us. We miss the signals. You know, my wife. Did you see or did you notice? Did you did you think that this person was feeling that? I don't know. But, but we have to, whether we're, whether we're men or women, and God, I think, has gifted women much better in that area, we've got to have a, a, not just a sensitivity, but a real concern and a desire to be aware of other people and to have that awareness and to have a compassion for their needs. Uh, and, and, and we need to have a, a, a gentleness in dealing with them. We need to have humility. All of those, like I said, we could take each, each word, each idea, and really talk about those in detail. And that's where what I'm trying to do this morning uh, maybe is a little bit frustrating in that we, we can't spend a whole lot of time. But this is the idea. We need to have a forgiving heart. We need to just put up with each other. We need patience. And I've been praying a lot. I know they say, you know, don't pray for patience because God will bring all those terrible things in your life to make it. But I've been praying a lot. Lord, at this stage of my life, I still am a very impatient person. I'm impatient with God. I'm impatient with people. I'm impatient with Iowa drivers. And so so this is a... a a consistent prayer request, Lord, help me to be patient, and gentle. And 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 show kindness towards people, and be ready and willing to forgive, uh, just as Jesus reminded us that we need to forgive, as others as the Lord has forgiven us, and the Apostle Paul says that here. Secondly, we need to live on in love. Above these all, put on love which binds everything together. Simply put, I hope it's not over-simplistic, it is love that makes us compassionate and kind and forbearing and patient and gentle. Uh, that is the love that, that, that puts it all together. And, and we need the love of Jesus Christ actively working in our hearts. We need to be reminded to those who have been loved much and my friends that's true of every one of us if we have come to the realization that we need a savior that Christ died for us we need to be willing to love much how can we be hateful towards people when god has loved us so much we need to live in peace let the peace of christ rule in your hearts and he right says again this is not so much the the calmness, the, the sense of, of peacefulness, the, the emotional sense. It's the idea that we are, we are peaceable with one another, that there's not this sense of agitation, that there's something left unresolved, that there's tension between us. And he reminds us that the Scripture, I believe, is telling us individually we have an obligation, but he is talking to us as the body of Christ, and we need to make sure that there is peace uh, there is something so enjoyable, and I noticed it this morning, uh, other than the uh, the, the guys didn 't get too upset with me that uh, I had a couple of things that that made me late uh, a couple of of things that that messed with my schedule this morning and uh, But I noticed you as you came in there was a sense of peace and joy and and the opportunity to see one another and to share together. We need to live in the word. let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Allow it to to change our thinking. Allow it to be our treasure. And, And the word to dwell in us richly is to be at home. And then verse 17, this beautiful, beautiful passage that everything we do is for the glory of God. We need to live for Jesus. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is interesting, and I, I didn't have a chance to highlight it, how often the word thankfulness is mentioned here. Uh, we didn't talk about the singing portion. There, there's instruction for our worship, but there's instruction for our way of life. And uh, Warren Wiersbe says that uh, when the Spirit of God is in control in our lives, then we will be thankful, we will be singing, and we will be submissive. And uh, for people like me that tend to get cranky and cynical, you have to every so often and say, "I need to. I need to ask the Spirit of God to get me singing again, and and to show some gratitude, and and to be submissive uh, to one another and submissive to the to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to do that. But whatever we do, I've been I've been trying to work on you know some of those things you just think about over and over again. The, 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 the talk, the message that I'd love to do is the mundaneness of life, the profaneness of life, but then the third word. So there's profane, mundane, and then the holiness of life. I can't figure out the Dane word for holiness. If anybody can help me out. But it's beautiful, and that is we are to leave behind the profane. That is put, a, put off that which is deathly, that which is earthly. Not just, you know, bad words. But everything that is profane, it is not holy. And in the mundane issues of life, we need to make sure we're doing everything in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. So when I go out and I pull those weeds or mow my lawn, I'm doing it for the glory of God. When I go to work on Monday morning whether it's in a farm field or whether it's at an insurance office or wherever you may you may work, I want to make sure that that day my service to my employer or my own business, I am doing it to honor Jesus Christ. There should not be a division. And that's what, again, I'd love to spend more time. But there isn't the, the, the normal things of life and then the church part of life. It should all be one together, so that whatever we do in word or deed, it's to the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, let's draw this to a close. I hope this will stir some some interest in you to to go deeper into some of the details of the text, but I wanted to give you this overview and remind us That relationships, what we so deeply desire, is what we most struggle with. We all want and need relationships. And yet, relationships are what people are constantly struggling with. For a high school student, a broken relationship, they're no longer dating. For a child, a mom and dad who are breaking up, either separating or getting divorced. For friends who have hit a place where they have somehow hurt each other and they're no longer friends. We so deeply desire those relationships and yet that's where the pain is so often the deepest. And my challenge to us this morning is this. What are the broken relationships we may not have an ability to restore other than to go to those people and ask for their forgiveness or to behave in a way that honors them, that does to them what we would want them to do to us. And I encourage us to do that. But there may be that very, very deep down pain that only the Spirit of God knows. And I would say to us, tell it to the Spirit of God. And say, Lord Jesus, heal me. Make me more like Jesus. What are the broken patterns of life, those secret or those areas that we've excused for too long that today we need to say, no more. This is it. I am done. I want to be more like Christ. What are the failures of this world that we are ready to leave behind so that we can put on Christ? and live the heavenly resurrection life. I found this quote that th- thought was interesting when it comes to the idea of character. You can't give character to another person, but you can encourage him to develop his own by possessing one yourself. My friends, for some people, we will never be good enough. They will still call us hypocrites. They will still say, you guys are still imperfect. They will still find a reason to condemn us. I'm not so concerned about the people who will still say we fall short. I'm concerned about Jesus and that my pursuit, my desire is to become more and more like him. And I encourage us to follow him. And let me say this in closing, if you allow me just this one final thought. Now, Zacchaeus probably showed some more immediate change than some of us do. But the change that took Zacchaeus from a hated tax collector to changing and saying, I will give back to people because now I want to be like Jesus. That is a change that can happen to any person who is willing to say, God above, I know that I'm messed up. And I know Jesus died and rose again to take care of that mess. And I accept his power in my life to make me new. Perhaps there's somebody here today who there's been a resistance because of the pain, because of the hypocrisy, because of the failure of people to measure up. But it's no longer a question about people and their failures. It's about the full and complete sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And perhaps today, you would say yes to him. May the Lord be mightily at work in our lives.